Okay, guys, welcome back. We are reading chapter one of Letters to the Church this week by Francis Chan. Um, we are so excited to be back, and we are so glad that you are joining us for Sundays at 7. The first chapter of Letters to the Church, and just kind of um, go based off the headings of the different sections of the chapter, and just kind of what stuck out to us, and kind of navigate through that. And just because there's so much good stuff that's been said in this first chapter, and we're just going to kind of point out what was, you know, resonated with us, and what we think would resonate with, you know, people who listen. So, how did you how did you start reading the book? Like, who introduced you to it? Did you just find it? I actually. I think this is right. This could be wrong, but my brother-in-law who loves like apologetics and all that kind of stuff gave me a whole stack of like Christian books for Christmas, which I love. Ooh, I love to read. Gift. I've always loved to read. Um, and this was one of the, the books in there. And honestly, I had no, I like Francis Chan, um, but he's not like someone that I would like gravitate towards. Like if I'm buying a book for myself. And so when I got this, I had zero expectations. I didn't even know what it was about. And then yeah, when I read it, I like, I try not to read like Christian or self-help, I don't know what you call them, books mm-hmm. fast because I want to like, you know, really simmer on each chapter right, and like yeah, let it sink yeah, in kind yeah. of thing. But with this one, I always struggled to not just read through it because it made me so excited. This is, okay, can I just make an announcement really quick? This is Kaden's third time <laughs> reading I sound like such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> she read it and then... Um, we actually had a, um, group of people that met it at our house and we all kind of read the book together as a bunch of people we do ministry with and then we're reading it now. So this is her third time. <laughs> it is marked up. There's stuff all over the margin. That's the best though, because then like when you read through it again, you're like, oh yeah. Like, you know, when you see the underline, you know, some good's coming mm-hmm, up. That's right. Um, but we just wanted to start by kind of talking about, um, Francis Chan and his story. So, actually, can we just start the first... Here's the first um, line of the book. It says, Imagine you find yourself stranded on a desert island with nothing but a copy of the Bible. You have no experience with Christianity whatsoever, and all you know about the church will come from the reading of the Bible. How would you imagine a church to function? Mm. And it says, Seriously, close your eyes for two minutes and try to picture a church as you would know it. And that's so crazy to me because, uh, I don't know, I just, I, I think it would be different, don't you? Mm-hmm. Our church is uh, muddied now with with uh, a lot of fluffy things that mm-hmm. kind of have made us stray away from, you know. Yeah, and like the, that's like the like the nationwide church. Oh, yeah. That's like, church, you know. Church as a whole. Church in, in general. general. Yeah. Totally. But... We just kind of wanted to start by talking. Francis Chan, um, he actually, he was going to a church and he, him and his wife Lisa felt that there was a lot going on in their church. The elders were fighting with the pastor and the pastor was eventually removed. And so they actually decided to, he was 26 years old. 26. He, 26. That's how, that's how old I am. I'm 26 oh my years gosh. old. Can you imagine Whoa, doing that crazy. right now? Well, and him and his wife had just gotten married. How old did they, I mean, how They'd been married for less than a month. Months, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, less than a month. Yeah. And they decided to plant a church. And what's so cool about it is that they did it in their home. 
and it was like a house church and they had people come over and um they ended up like growing into this giant church it talks about how he they would they rented out this building and then it grew bigger and they rented out a high school and it grew bigger and so they decided to I guess maybe think of the plans to build a church. They were going to buy property and build. And he said that like one, I can't remember where it is, but one person on his staff was like, well, what if something happens and we build this giant church and then people leave, you know, and we have this giant empty church that like, we don't know what to do with. Mm. And I was like, that's so crazy because you don't know, like you build this giant church and you're like, well, you know, building a church is scary. But I love what he says about like, um, the way that they tried to, the three goals they had in mind when they were trying to build mm-hmm. this church. Um, the first one being that they, all they it says, first I wanted all of us to sing directly to God. And that yeah. was like the first, the first thing he wanted his church to do. Um, yeah. What does that look like? Like, what would that look like? You know, I feel like a lot of times... I mean, even I sometimes sit in church and I'll worship, but I'm not, like, listening to the... I'm not, like, resonating with the words. Empty you know? words. Yeah, I'm just singing just because it's, like, the music's playing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, what does it look like to sing directly to God? I think, like, that one and then the two more that he mentions, it's, like, getting back to, like, the basics of, of like, what faith is and what, like, being a follower of Jesus really looks like. Like, we've somehow, like... We as in everyone. Mm-hmm. Like Christians, that's, well, I guess not everyone, but, like, we've kind of, like, do you know that song? <laughs> no one's going to know the song, but it's called, uh, I don't even know the name of it, but it says, we need to get, we need to get back to the basics of life. Um, I don't remember the next part, but, like. sing it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get back to the basics of life. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. I don't know that song, but. It's a good song. I don't remember the, the name of the song, but, like, that's we'll so true. That. Like, I feel like that's what this like, we have just muddied ourselves, and we've added all this stuff, and we're just needing to get back to the basics. Like, singing directly to God, like, that's such a simple, basic thing, but, like, when you really think about it, like, do we do that? Like, Right. Have you ever been a part of a group of people that are, like, all genuinely, authentically singing, singing directly to directly God? Directly to God. With reverence and emotion. And like, right. Yeah. And expectance. Yes. Expecting, you know, mm-hmm. God to move. Mm-hmm. The um, So the second goal, that was the first goal. The second goal was to hear the word of God, which I think is so important. And we've actually talked about, when we kind of talked about in the last, our last podcast, how important it is to read the Bible, how important it is to actually read the word of God. It's so great to read books. You know, it's so great to listen to sermons, but reading the word and hearing the word of God, gathering as a group of people and just reading mm-hmm. the word is just... Something, Something that I really love, like he says after that, he says, um, we weren't going to be those people who gathered together to listen to some self-help nonsense. Yeah. And like, as crazy as that sounds like that, I feel like that's sometimes what church can be. It's just like, you know. And then it says, nor were we going to ignore half the Bible. Yeah. You have to find that, that. Yeah. In between that balance. It's like a balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But then it goes on to say, I wanted us to dig deeply into scripture, even the passages that contradicted our logic and desires. I wanted the presentation of God's truth to be powerful, and I wanted us to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. That's even sad. if the passages contradicted our logic and desires. Yeah. 
Like, if you really, like, zoom out from this. Ooh, zoom I out. I love that phrase, zoom out. I love it. Zoom out, people. Um, <laughs> but if you really, they, these are such basic concepts. And somehow we've lost, like, we've, like, really, the gospel is so simple. Simple. Mm-hmm. And we've, like, made it so complex to where we've, we're just, we can lose sight so easily. Right. You know, like, just hear the word of God. Exactly. Word of God, word capitalized. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's so, like, it kind of goes back to us being such an individualistic culture, too, because, like, they're reading the passages that contradict their logic and desires. So, like, even if it's not what you desire or not what you reason with, like, they're reading them because they're in the Bible and they're important. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times we we kind of stray away from those passages because we can't understand them. We don't agree with them. Like we run away maybe from it's in the old Testament. Yes. Mm-hmm. We run away from our, our convictions. It's in the old Testament. So we think it's like not, it's not really required of us to read or it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't pertain to today, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we kind of put them on the back burner and think, well, you know, yep. But mm-hmm. man, you got to read the whole Bible. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the third one that he says was when they planted this new church, he wanted, all of them to live holy lives, which is, again, another simple thing. But this is so powerful to me and so convicting. Mm -hmm. Um, He talks about how, like, so many Christians, like, get packed into churches, and they, and they, this is, like, kind of harsh, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. I put a star next to it, so. Um, They seem to have no interest in doing what's actually said in the Bible. Like, if we were all really honest with ourselves, that's all been us at some point. Like, here I am going to church. And like, but do do I really have any interest in doing what I'm proclaiming that, you know, right? I'm saying, well, and and he follows that up with what's in the Bible. James 122, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to go spend an hour of your day listening to someone and then leave, you know, Mm -hmm. and then go back the week later and spend an hour of the day and listen and leave. But are you doing are you a doer of the word? Mm-hmm. Are you taking steps forward? <laughs> Before we started this podcast, we were kind of making an outline and figuring out kind of what we were going to talk about. And Katen said, God can't lead you if you're not moving your feet. Yeah. And that, whoa, y'all. <laughs> whoa, I wish we could have recorded that whole conversation. <laughs> because it's so true. Like, you have to be moving. You have to be doing. Like, And, you know, a lot of times it's not about, like, you know, Kind of like what I talked about last week in our podcast, like do, 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 so that you can be blessed kind of thing. It's like you have to be a doer of the word Mm -hmm. so that you can spread the gospel. Active. Active, Mm -hmm. yes. Well, and that's another thing. It says the word is living and active. So we, I mean, we also are called to be living and active. So true. And I love this idea that, like, we can't read scripture or be taught scripture and not change. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, scripture should change us, you know, like, it should change us to... try our best <laughs> yeah. to live holy lives. You right, know? Like, yeah, definitely. To read scripture and then just be stagnant in that, there's like, there's a disconnect. Like, scripture right. should should change us. There should be a change. And we right. should be expectant of that, you know? And, you know, we're still humans, obviously. And human nature tends to take over a lot of times. And there is sin in the world. And so, oh, yeah. you know, <clears throat> to live a holy life is really difficult. And it's not going to be perfect, you know, because obviously the only perfect human was Jesus. But mm-hmm. just making the conscious decision to pursue a holy life mm-hmm. is so it's so important mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. lives today. Yeah. Um, 
So after he started that church, like we said, he started growing and started... Really growing. Really, yeah. Really, really growing. Like exploding. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so crazy because he talks about... Um, it's, uh, it talks about how like the attendance was climbing, the offering was climbing, baptisms were happening, lives were being changed. But then he says, I couldn't shake the feeling that something was still missing. Oh my gosh, I just love that. Like, love that and like, I'm convicted by a way. Like, he says all these amazing things that were happening, you know, but then at the end he says, but something was off. You know, I don't know if, like, you've ever felt like that, but I feel like I felt like that sometimes. Like, everything is going so good in my life, like, everything's aligning, but then there's just, like, something that's still off, you know what I mean? Right. And I think that's, like... Where we, when we feel that feeling, like when everything in our life is going right, then we need to check ourselves with scripture. You know oh, what I mean? Like we need to check ourselves with the word, and that's exactly. Well, and that that comes to the back to the <laughs> hearing, hearing the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think maybe at that point, he kind of realized, oh, like all oh, this is going right, but something still felt off. So I, the third, I need to, I need to go back to scripture and mm-hmm. what it says. Go back to the basics. Back to the basics. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. Um, but something <laughs> that was really that really stood out to me actually like I couldn't underline it I had to like draw a big block around the whole passage because the whole passage was just very convicting but it said one of the main things that we questioned in the church that they were growing was the level of love we had for one another cornerstone which was the church was by most standards a pretty loving church but next to the example of the early church in the new testament it fell flat Jesus said the world should know us by our love, John thirteen thirty five. As elders, we came to the painful conclusion that when unbelievers came into our services, they weren't observing anything supernatural about the way that we loved one another. Mm-hmm. That's very convicting. It's so convicting. Mm-hmm. Like what, and it goes back to like, what does supernatural love look like? Mm-hmm. Like, the Bible calls us to to be united. The Bible calls us to have like minds, you know, and a lot of times we do have different opinions about things. So does supernatural love look like, you know, respecting one another, even if you don't have the same opinion? What if you were to walk into a church, like as an unbeliever, you know, like what, what would that supernatural love look like? Would our love look any different than the worldly love? Worldly love that, you know, like the cheapened, Right. It's it's so hard to wrap your head around that idea, Mm -hmm. though. Mm -hmm. But not, like, not because they see the love that we have for each other and, like, praise us, but, like, that supersedes us, and they see that it's it's not us that's loving this way, but it's what's inside of us that's making us love this way. You know what I mean? When it supersedes the body and the person into, like, there's something going on inside of that person that's making them love this way that I want want for myself. Right, yeah, exactly. So... <clears throat> oh, I love the next the next part. It's so good. You should go. You should talk about it. <laughs> um, I think this part kind of made me realize maybe like you know in church a lot of times like people come for a while but then there's some kind of disconnect to where like like the retention rate kind of can people just cycle through, and the next part talks about how like sometimes churches grow really dependent on one person talking about him, Francis Chan. Like he felt like the church had grown really dependent on him. And like, if he were to leave, would the church be able to like still be a church without him? And I like, I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why people leave church and people like start their journey and then maybe like leave it is because 
they never take the step to get really involved and to use their talents and to, and to be an active member of mm-hmm. the body of Christ because we become so reliant on someone else, someone else. And like and something else, we never find our place in the church. And like to make a body work, you have to have all the parts working and moving, Absolutely. you know, and it can't just be dependent on one thing. And I feel like that's like the missing piece. Sometimes people are missing when they like join a church is like, they just come and listen and then leave, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they never take the, the steps to become like an active member. Right. You know? Well, everyone <clears throat> talks about how everyone has a special gift mm-hmm. and a lot of times we don't tap into that. We don't use that special gift. And I think that's when maybe the conviction starts because you're, you're kind of like God's like warning you. You're not warning you, but kind of maybe letting you know, like, Hey, you have this gift you need to use and you're not mm-hmm. using it. And I think a lot of times we get intimidated by that too. Like we have to be a singer, we have to be a right. really great speaker, we have yeah, to be the all. Best. Yeah, and it's just not just getting involved in any way. Just being present and showing up, and you know, is is. But I really like this. Is like the way the church has been structured now is it's kind of like stunted people's growth because we think that we can't be involved and we think that we can't right. be like oh that person's already doing that yes. so I'm not you or know. if I'm not a good singer then oh I can't be involved or if I'm not right. a good guitar player then I can't or whatever it is the position's already filled yes the whole body is weaker for it you know? right <clears throat> I love when he says we wanted people to come to Cornerstone to experience almighty God and the moving of the Holy Spirit not to hear Francis Chan yeah <laughs> he's like he himself is writing this yeah and it's so crazy that he like, he said everything was going right, and he felt that disconnect. And so he was like, hang on a second. Something's mm-hmm. wrong, and he's, like, figuring all this out. Yeah. And then he also, kind of like what Kayton just said, he said, I also began to see that I, it was holding back. But he said, because my leadership was so prominent in the church, I also began to see that it was holding back others who should have been leading. Yes. Can you imagine if, like, a church body was filled with people who were fully stepping into their potential, you know? And, like, we're fully stepping into, like, the calling and the role that Jesus has placed on their life. Like, I just feel like crazy things could happen. I feel like, I mean, number one, people wouldn't get burnt out, Mm -hmm. you know, because they wouldn't be placed in a position where they're constantly doing something with no backup. You know, I feel like we... if we're going to be a team of believers, we need to be a team in serving too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we do need to rest. It's important to have rest if you're serving. Mm-hmm. And when there's no one to fill in where you're resting, then you're just continuing to serve and maybe you are getting burned out. And then out. it becomes an, an obligation. obligation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, obligations. Instead uh, of something you desire and want to do, you know. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he started to realize, you know, some some things are off. And maybe, you know, I need to... He started to feel maybe I need to step away. Mm-hmm. Because like you said before, is this church going to thrive without me? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, I'm holding these people back. And so he said he had a... This, this part's really crazy. He said he had a talk with his wife or didn't someone call him and say hey I need to tell you this or yeah something like that I can't remember he was he was having a talk him and his wife were driving somewhere and um oh here it is oh yeah his friend called him and told him like yeah I don't really know he felt like God was telling him to tell him this but just go don't worry about the church yeah yeah. step up and 
And his wife had even brought up going to another country, which is kind of what he was thinking, too. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, oh, my gosh, this is for sure from the Lord. And so they actually, how many kids? Did we ever say the the title of this section of the book? It's called Why I Left My Mega Church. Oh, no. We ever said that? Yeah, so that's kind of like, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. This is when he's, like, kind of telling a story. It's called Why I Left My Mega Church. So Mm -hmm. he... Was at a church, he left it, he started a mega church, it was growing, and then he left that mega church. But it wasn't because he was dissatisfied, it was because he felt that God was calling him somewhere else. Yep. And yep. he felt that, you know. And so him they take their family and they actually move overseas and they go to I mean it's listed here, they go to India, Thailand, China. Mm-hmm. And he said it is it's so crazy because it, it, the mission is so different over there. Following yeah. God is so different overseas. Yes, it is. And <laughs> Katyn knows. She knows she's been to Thailand. What did What did you like? What? How did you experience God? And then, like in Thailand, how is it different from here in America? Uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain, and honestly, it's kind of like it's not very fun t- to say because it sounds so bad. But like. When you go over, like I would, for an extended time, um, when you go overseas or you just experience church in a different country, it's like, it's just so, you just like begin to do things that you would never feel comfortable doing here in America or the, the United States. So like, like showering and peeing in the same place? Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> yes. Um, but also like. I don't know. It's just different. Like you begin to like just live out of this uncomfortable, making yourself uncomfortable in a good way out of your, in faith, you know? And it's like, uh, you start to go up to people and say, Hey, do you know Jesus? Like you just live this missional lifestyle that I don't know. Like when here in America, it just seems so much harder to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he talks about that in this, in this part. Did of it, the weren't book. you a farmer in Thailand? Yeah, I was. <laughs> we worked on a a sustainable farm that was because t- you know like people over there in Thailand, like where we were in this specific part, didn't even really know how to like grow their own food. Like they didn't have any food, and they didn't know how to grow it to e- either. So we worked on this farm that was teaching people in that um, village how to how to grow their own food, so they could you know have food to eat for their yeah. families. So yeah, kind of cool. That's and it became a ministry. There was a ministry involved. That's with awesome. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, he kind of talks about each place very briefly, so I think we should read it. But he says, um, it was a, it was an amazing adventure for his family. He said that knit our family so close together and helped us to refocus on the mission. I saw such fearless dedication and boldness from the pastors in India who had renounced everything for the Lord. We had witnessed the simplicity of the lifestyles in rural Thailand and the joy of the men and women who faithfully served widows and orphans day in and day out. In China, I saw the gospel spread like wildfire as people endured and even rejoiced in persecution. Mm-hmm. And it says, throughout this whole time, Lisa and I were praying with the family about where God would have us live. Mm-hmm. And so they were completely living off faith. Mm-hmm. Completely. They they didn't they knew he knew that God was calling him overseas he didn't know where and so they were just they were just so funny how like it's so easy to do that for some reason when you're when you're living in a different country I think it's because you're kind of like removed from all your like 
distractions or like your life like everything is so luxurious and like all of our luxuries that we have here like you're stripped of all those so you're kind of right. like bare and you kind of like just in your authentic self you know right and you kind of just have to like live out of that place of authenticity which makes you do I don't know it just makes you more comfortable like living a bold faith you yeah know? more confident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know a lot of people overseas don't have the basic needs that we have here and they do have to rely on God a lot more. They have to be more confident, more bold in their faith because they have to rely on Him for those basic needs. Whereas here, we're so comfortable. Like, are we even relying mm-hmm. on Jesus for our basic needs? Mm-hmm. And like that surrender that happens. Like, I don't even have like the basic things that I need to live. So God, I'm surrendering to you because I have faith that you're gonna come through and and provide for me not only in a spiritual way but like in every way yeah in in physical ways in every way and just this like i think surrender is is such a a powerful word when like doing this kind of comparison is like a a posture of surrender almost like do we really it's it's easy not to have that posture here in america in the states (laughs) because you know we have Everything that we need. Yeah, so. and if you don't have it, you go to Walgreens and get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kate and I were just talking about how convenient Walgreens mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And there's something so like, you know, beautiful about, you know, the process of like kind of going back to what I did when I was on my mission trip in Thailand is like planting the seed and watching it grow and and the fruits of your labor and mm-hmm. and all of that. All of those things are like metaphors and parallels with the scripture and like a spiritual walk and. You know, everything is so instantaneous here in the, here in the States, and sometimes we forget, a lot of times, we forget those processes and those... Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And so, like, he he makes that clear <clears throat> um, distinction between the two right here in this, in this part of the book. Definitely. <clears throat> um, so after they, they've actually spent some time across the seas, and they, they lived there for a little bit, and he said, all overseas, I had gotten to see a glimpse of what the church could be and the power it could have. And I felt God wanted me to take that vision back. And so mm. he, he felt that God was calling him home, a journey home, He was, which is the title of the next section. He's calling him back to America. And he said he was almost kind of scared to tell his family, you know, because they had been so close-knit together overseas and they had been doing all this mission and feeling more confident and bold. He was like, I was almost scared to tell my family that God was calling us back to the States because... He was afraid they wouldn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go back home, and they end up in San Francisco. And he said that as a, as a family, um, they started making friends. They started they fed the homeless. They went door to door and prayed for people in low income housing. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if we just went door to door and prayed for people? Like what would what would that look like? And they were what I I experienced this like even on my trip like. A lot of people, because we were there for such a long time, they were like, I'm so sad to go home. Like, I don't want to go home because you just, like, live such a missional lifestyle, you know? Right. But I was, like, I was kind of the opposite. Like, I was so excited to come home because I wanted to bring that, like, why can't that, why can't we have this same fire and this same excitement for the gospel at home? Like, what's the difference? You know, I wanted to live by faith in America. Like, just like I was living by faith there, you know? That next line is so good, too. He said, I was put in so many uncomfortable situations, but it felt right. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times, 
in our own lives, we feel uncomfort and we run. It's like a fight or flight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We're uncomfortable, we run, we go to our comfort zone. What, how can we be the most comfort or mm-hmm. most comfortable? Because when you're uncomfortable, it puts you in a vulnerable yeah. state. And, and it almost makes you feel kind of anxious. But sometimes anxiety is good. My mom mm-hmm. told me a story one time. There was a little girl who was going on stage to do a performance, and the teacher said, are you anxious or are you excited? She said, what do you mean? Those are both the same thing. Mm. You know, anxiety sometimes is kind of associated with worry and fear and all these bad things and so we try to run from anxiety but anxiety is to is to help us to feel excited to feel mm-hmm. you know anxiety can be good mm-hmm. and it can help us to you know when we're uncomfortable in, in, in uncomfortable situations and we feel anxious maybe it's like motivating us to do more uncomfortable mm-hmm. things and it means you care like when you're absolutely yeah. You know, I always heard that I'm a dancer, so whenever <laughs> we would go on stage, we'd be like, "Are you ner-? like?" I would get more yeah, yeah, nervous yeah. that there oh, was yeah. like more at stake or more on the line. You right, know? but it's so <laughs> fun. And then once you get done with your dance, or I mean, I remember doing it when I was in high school too with cheerleading. Before we go out, you know, mm-hmm. like we would feel anxious or nervous. But once you get done, you're like, "Oh man, like I want to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. I love that. What's it called? Uh, there's an A. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Mm-hmm. I love it's that adrenaline. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so we're. We can become adrenaline junkies for the board. (laughs) I like this part when he says, we felt alive on an adventure that required faith. And it was right here in our backyard. And it can be, you know, like, why can't it be? Like, what's keeping us from that? You know, like if our faith was alive and it was a wild adventure, like, would you call your faith a wild adventure every day? You know? Yeah. If we lived like that every day. And if you can't call your faith that, then how can you take steps to make your faith like that? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, they ended up starting another church in their living room <laughs> again. <laughs> and they said that they were asking God to build his church through them. And he said that, you know, he, of course, I think he was nervous about, you know, how he was going to start it again. Um, he said, but it's been five years now since they started We Are Church. And he said, things are so different this time around. His wife and him have grown in their understanding of scripture and God's design for the church. He said, God has graciously shown me the good fruit from my cornerstone days as well as some from the fundamental mistakes I made early on. Hopefully, I can help others avoid some traps I fell into. Mm-hmm. So he he's like owning up to, I did make fundamental mistakes, but God is graciously showing me the good fruit, and I'm trying to use all of that and all of my experiences to kind of figure out how God wants this church here mm-hmm. in the living room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And then he goes into talking about how which I love and I'm and I strive every day to be more like this but he has become obsessed with knowing and experiencing God Mm -hmm. in this time in his life like I want to get to that point in my life when I'm literally obsessed with it you know but the next part is so good um he talks about how this is a strange part in his life because the intimacy that he's feeling with God is directly tied to his connection with his church Mm. and that's that can that was odd for him because usually he felt closest to God when he was away from people and alone by himself in a room. Right, which is how, how I feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I kind of talked about that in and the last one. the power of just, like, there's power in community. Mm-hmm. And really, like, um, I think a lot of times now it's, it's become where uh, the church or, I guess, like, yeah, the church has become kind of obsolete, like, 
I don't need to go to church. I can have church by myself. And yes, you can, of course. Yeah. But there's also a, there's a power and a, and something to say about a body of Christians all gathered together who are building right. one another up. Yeah. Who are, who are singing directly to the Lord, who are hearing from his scripture and who are living, striving to live holy lives. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. yeah, he talks about how they all of his people were getting together one day and a one-hour teaching session spontaneously turned into 13 hours of prayer. Mm. 13 hours of prayer. That's a long time. Yeah. Have you ever prayed for 13 hours? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I haven't. But can you imagine, like, wanting to be together so much? And he, like, he even talks about how he said, like, it's as if God's presence was... His actual presence was in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which I think is such a powerful statement that honestly I never really realized until here recently. Maybe this book kind of aided in that, but like the bo- the church the church body needs all of its moving parts. Like I can't do what you can do, and you know that's right. what's so beautiful about it is we're all it needs all of us to yeah to fulfill his mission. You know, all of us together for sure. <clears throat> and so it kind of goes on. He says. I hope that God doesn't call me somewhere else right now because he said I selfishly want to continue what I'm doing. But what's really funny, actually, I found out that he is moving back to Hong Kong. His family is. Okay. Which is, I mean, this is, how he wrote this back book how many years ago? It was a while ago. He wrote this. Yeah. But they're moving back and it was so crazy because my husband and I were talking about how he was moving back and then we turned on the TV and the main headline was there's riots all over Hong Kong. Wow. And I was like, can you imagine moving you, your wife, and your, how many, he has six kids, I think, four or six? Yeah, lots. To a town that's headlined on the news for having riots, mm-hmm. like in, which I'm sure Hong Kong's a big city, you know, but I just, I can't imagine. I, I, but that's, that's him being uncomfortable. That's him pushing himself out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I just... And living by faith. An active uh, Yeah, faith. an active faith. Completely mm-hmm. living by faith. not saying that everybody faith. has to go move somewhere where they do that. But, you know... Right. We can take the basic premise of, of a life lived like that and, like, bring it to wherever we are. Right. Know? Like, how can I live a life in active faith, like Francis Chan is doing in Hong Kong... In Winchester, Kentucky. Like, what does yeah. that look like? You know, and that's like, why this—that's why we love this book so much because he kind of tells his life story, which he's lived a lot of, you know, interesting life away overseas, and then he's come back, and now he's going back again, and he has so many stories to tell, and he's lived boldly and confidently in so many ways, and he kind of tells us. He and he's also he. He's so based in scripture too, mm-hmm. and that, that's why I love this book so much because. It's just real. There's an anchor to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes you zoom out. It I kinda, love that phrase. It makes you zoom out for a second and kind of think, like, you know, my mom barely left me at home by myself when I was 18 years old. I can't imagine, like, moving <laughs> to a Hong Kong, you know? Yeah. And it's I just, think... there's so much that's going on around the world that we just don't know about, but people are stepping into those unknowns and they're yeah. preaching the gospel. Yeah. It can be easy easy to take what's said in this book and be like, there's so much wrong with the church. The church is horrible. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. exactly. That's not what it's meant to do. It's meant to like excite us and invigorate us right. to like continue to push toward, you know, the biblical way the church should be. Not saying that our church is horrible now. Not saying that at all, you know? Right. Which yeah. can, I think sometimes can be a misconception about this book. It's more, you know, Let's just get back to the basics and are we doing what the basics are? Because that's right. Yeah, the fundamentals says, of faith. 
It says many want to change the church, but it is often motivated by personal preference rather than biblical conviction. Yes. Yes. Like, are you changing the church because you just want to and you feel like it's bad? Or it's because that's literally what the Bible says and we're trying to follow the Bible when we are living holy lives? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, gosh. This book is full of so much stuff. I have it, so many outlines. I, I can't. I do, too. <laughs> I want to talk about everything, but we've been going for 40 minutes now. No way. 40 oh minutes. We've been talking for 40 minutes. There's no way. Is, yes. 30. We're about to hit the 37 minute mark. Oh my gosh. These people are probably like, these girls need to calm Whoa. down. Oh my wow. gosh. Okay. Let's just, I'm going to pick one last thing that I want to share. <laughs> so, Kayton and I have recently taken the Enneagram test. Yeah, we have. If anyone's heard of Enneagram, we're actually a part of a Bible study and there's a bunch of us who have taken the Enneagram test. And Kayton and I are both sevens, which is so funny. Um, we're both enthusiasts, but a really large attribute of the enthusiast is a very, they have very independent lifestyles and they're not really dependent on people. And they also are not very submissive to authority, <laughs> which is what I've learned. They, they don't like to be talked down on and they don't like to feel like someone's trying to control them. Yes. And very so much. a lot of times when there's an authority figure, they, they're not like rude to them. They just kind of push back a little bit kind of bring out their and so I found out you know that's that's like something that's inside of me Mm -hmm. you know I I am a very independent person I relate and towards the end of the chapter he talks about how the story of David when David had multiple opportunities to kind of because Saul was hunting David down right and so David had multiple opportunities to kind of get rid of Saul but he could become king king. yeah Mm -hmm. and so he says um, <laughs> he says, but David somehow had a holy fear of harming those God had placed in authority. Mm-hmm. And Katyn earlier wrote in her book, God knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that convicted me a lot because I do push back against authority. And, but David had a holy fear of harming those God had placed in authority. God has placed people in authority for their yes. own, for his own reason. And it's so easy for us to like talk about all we've talked about, like right. when it comes to the church. Yeah. And like, like point, these people are making mistakes. Yes. Or, pointing our fingers at all the leaders and the elders of different churches, you know, across, right. across the American church. It's really easy to do that. But I, I was like, that really made me go back and read that again because I was like, yeah, God knows what he's doing. Like, who am I to fingers you know right mm-hmm. exactly he has put people in charge that he feels necessary to be in charge and god is not surprised he's not surprised by what's happening like god's not like exactly oh, wow, i can't believe this is happening yeah like, like he didn't know you were gonna do that yeah like god is in control you know absolutely mm-hmm. and so that's something that I've, that I've learned in that is is you know i need to sing directly to god i need to read his word i need to strive to live a holy life mm-hmm. you know i don't need to push back against authority, even though sometimes I feel like I don't like being controlled. <laughs> but, you know, I need to have a holy fear. What does holy fear look like to me? And I've thought about that a lot to try to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. how instead of pointing fingers, you know, how can we take the things that we've learned and kind of use them to help and assist, you know? I agree. Oof. We could go on for another 40 minutes if you want. We literally could. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, but we kind of wanted to 
we kind of wanted to ask a couple questions in the end. We want people to be able to kind of think about a couple things. Challenge you. Cha- yes. Mm, challenge, challenge you. Yes. I need to get challenged <clears throat> for the week. Yeah, something me to too. Something me. to think about. Until the next Sunday at 7. Exactly. Um, so we kind of talked about how we're comfortable here in America, in mm-hmm. the States. And we've talked about how a lot of times we may not have to rely on Jesus for our basic needs like other people across the world do. And so, has there ever been a time when you've had to fully rely on Jesus for something? Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Um, And so, another question that we had was, oh, yes, Katen talked about feeling an obligation or a desire and so, do you feel obligated to follow God, or do you desire to follow Him? I feel like that question is the question. Yeah. Of all questions. And because we both kind of talked about that in our own stories last week, where we kind of reached a point in our lives where, instead of it being an obligation to follow Christ, it it suddenly became a desire that we wanted to do. And, and how different your life looks when you desire going through the motions and just doing all these rituals because it's what I've always done and I'm comfortable in it or am I seeing the the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and the intention behind what I'm doing intention that's so important Mm -hmm. I feel like if you can step over that threshold from an obligation to a desire like that's when everything changes yeah that's when when your perspective changes that's when a real relationship starts yeah That's what it changed for me, at least. Yeah, you, like, reach a new level of glory. Mm-hmm. You know, Shamda, Katen's mom, we've been in group <laughs> with her for a while, and she talks about these levels of glory and how a lot of times when you realize something or if God reveals something to you in your own life, you reach this new level of glory where you have a new perspective, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you kind of maybe look back on your life and think, whoa, it's so different now than what I was doing. Desiring God and what that looks like in my life is so different than feeling obligated. Mm-hmm. A light of faith. And how bigger your ripples are, you know? Ooh, yeah. Lishan Will says that. Mm. <laughs> a f- obligated faith is empty. Ooh! You know? And like a a faith lived out of desire is, is full. And overflowing. Overflowing because God is the well and never runs dry, you know? Ooh, you were right. That's right. Goodness gracious. Man, when that, when that change happens in people's lives. It's, it's like the point of no return. Mm-hmm. You know? You that, know. I think that is the point of no return. It is. Yeah. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Because you're suddenly doing things because you want to do them. Mm-hmm. And, you're just, and you're taking con- conscious, you're making conscious decisions and you're taking those steps and allowing God to lead you into the holy life that you're striving mm-hmm. to live. And of course, there's seasons of life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, but once you've tasted that desire, like you can always, when you're going through like a drier season in your faith walk, like you can always recall back to those times when you were feeling yeah. that, that really strong desire and that fire. And right. And you can be like, that it's can there. Work. Yeah, it's there. And you just, that can what, is what keeps you right on, onward. It's like, it's like fasting from like L8 for a while and like drinking only water and then just like drinking in L8 and you're like, I'm never going back to water again. (laughs) (laughs) That is the perfect metaphor. All the Winchesterians will feel that. Um, anyway, so we wanted to kind of do something here at the very end. We just wanted to leave you with a verse, um, just a verse of the week, just to think about throughout the week. And one that Francis Chan mentions that 
was really cool is Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, gather with other believers and stir them into action. Mm-hmm. And that's what our goal is here. Mm-hmm. We want to gather believers and we want to stir into action. Mm-hmm. As a, as members of a church in a small community, you know, like starting that where we are and even if it's in a small community, like the impact we can make here and the ripples yes. that can make, you know. Absolutely. Ooh, that was so fun. It was fun. All right, guys. We hope that you enjoyed. We are thankful for all of the people that listen. We are thankful that you have come to us with grace. (laughs) Because a lot of things that we say might be awkward. (laughs) Or I stutter a lot. Um, And we're just learning. We are learning. Just walking through this life. Can I tell you, it is hard we're like sitting and staring at each other with a microphone and joining us. And I see this little thing on my computer that says you're now at 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God. It does not feel like 45 minutes at all. No, it doesn't. It's oh, a, it doesn't feel like 45 minutes. It's 11 p.m. <laughs> on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Oh anyway, so thank you guys for tuning in. And we will catch you next week on Sundays, Sundays at 7. Bye, guys.